Okay. Open your Bibles this evening, please, to the book of 2 Kings chapter number 6. 2 Kings chapter number 6. And we begin our reading this evening in verse number 18. 2 Kings chapter number 6 and verse number 18. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, is not, uh, uh, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were coming to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their, their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Now, this is a continuation of the story that started back in verse number 8. We talked about that last week. Remember, the king of Syria had declared war on Israel and had surrounded Israel. I mean, they seemed to be in an impossible situation. And perhaps you'll remember from last week's message that when Elisha's servant saw this, he was in a state of panic, and he said, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And so Elisha responded by praying for his eyes to be open, and God gave him a peek into the invisible world. And he looked out there, and he could see the army of God, the angels encamped all round about, and chariots of fire, and suddenly he realized that the Lord's army far outnumbered than that of the enemy. Now, in this first part of the story, we saw the servant's eyes being opened. But in this part of the story, we see the soldier's eyes being closed. In the first story, we saw a picture of deliverance. In this story, we see a picture of defeat. In the first story, we see here that God has the power to help. Here, we find that God has the power to hinder. So God can heal or God can hurt. God can do whatever needs to be done, and that's what we need to think about tonight. Blessed blindness. Blessed blindness. How seldom do we consider our handicaps and our problems and our difficulties to be blessings in disguise because they certainly are. This was a blessing that everything happened the way that it did, and I think you'll understand why as we go along. First of all, notice the capture. 
the capture there in verses 18 through 20. And the first thing about the capture of this Syrian army is that it was a miracle of God's might. Don't ever forget that. Our success in life depends on what God can do, not what we can do. And if we get the idea that we can make it happen, we're going to get ourselves in trouble every time. It troubles me that in a lot of the seminaries and a lot of the Bible colleges that they teach the young preacher boys, I think, tactics that are totally inappropriate and out of place. There are those that would teach them to use certain, you know, techniques, as it were, to emotionally move the crowd. And after a while, you've got a bunch of confused young preachers up there trying to use pop psychology to psych people up to respond to their message. That's not what it's all about. It's what God does when His Word is preached. And the best advice I can give to any young preacher is be yourself. Don't ever imitate anyone else. You just be yourself and preach the Word of God as it is to men as they are and depend on the Holy Spirit to get the job done. He's the only one that can get the job done. Only His power makes us victorious, whether as individuals or as a church. You know, programs can be fine. And a lot of times we have this program and this ministry and all of these other things. And sometimes, you know, we think, you know, this is a surefire program. We, we just, you know, institute this and I'll tell you what, big things are going to happen. We've been there and we've done that and we've tried those things a lot of times and fall flat on our face. And we fall because we're depending on what we can do instead of what God can do. Now, I'm not against programs. I'm not against planning or any of that stuff. I'm against depending on those things to get the job done. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our life in order to conquer the enemy and bring victory to the people of God. But remember this, although everything is dependent upon God's power, I want you to notice that this miracle came as a result of the fact that they prayed. They prayed. Now, they couldn't defeat the enemy. They couldn't outsmart the enemy. They couldn't do anything to get the victory, but they prayed. If we don't pray, we lose. It's just that simple. It's just that serious. If we don't pray, we lose. Mark it down. We lose. I don't know about you. I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose as an individual. I don't want to lose as a church. I want us to be more than conquerors. I want us to win the victory over the evil forces in this world. But we got to pray because prayer is that which moves the hand of God to accomplish what you and I could never accomplish on our own. Pray. This is a manifestation of God's might, but notice it's also a manifestation of God's mercy. You notice that they're captured here instead of destroyed. Now, God, remember, all of the invisible angels and chariots out there, and God could have just snapped His fingers and said, just wipe them all out. But He didn't do that. God could have destroyed every single soldier in that army, or He could have just smitten them with blindness and left them to themselves. So now, see how you like that. You're never going to be able to see again, and here you got a, a whole army of men out there, you know, in a wilderness, and they're 
They're staggering about. They have no idea where they're at or what to do. Instead of doing that, God used all of this to manifest His mercy. Here's what I want you to remember. God is always more interested in converting men than He is in punishing people. More interested in changing us, converting us, rather than pouring His wrath out upon us. God wants to help us instead of hurt us. Have you ever thought about the fact that Every friend of God is a converted enemy. Think about that. Just let it sink in for a minute. Because before you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were an enemy to God. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you need to understand that you're living in rebellion against God. You're an enemy of God. Now, that's not because God wants it to be that way. It's not because God just arbitrarily decided, I'm going to be your enemy. I don't like you. It's because the unsaved person's living in rebellion against God. You say, well, what do you mean? How how can that be? Well, the Bible commands all men everywhere to repent. If you have not repented, if you've not received Christ as your Savior, you're living in rebellion. That makes you an enemy of God. And every friend of God is a converted enemy. Someone that used to live in rebellion against God. Now notice what happens in verse number 21, because here, after the capture, we see the choice. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, now remember, this army, this blind army of the Syrians, now find themselves in Samaria, which at that time was the capital of the Jews, the Israelites, the Hebrews. And so they're taken there. They're, you know, they're, they're led right straight to the door of the king of Israel. And, and notice when he saw them, he said unto Elisha, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? Now, can you imagine what the Jews must have thought when they saw that approaching army? Think about that. Here are all the Jews in the city, and all of a sudden somebody says, Boy, I see dust out there on the horizon. What in the world is that? Somebody says, that's the Syrian army, and they're on the move, and they're headed this way. And I mean, you know, they've got to be frightened about now. Here comes the army. And they get a little closer, and finally somebody says, who's that out in front of the army leading them? Now try to picture this in your mind. And somebody says, you know, that looks like Elisha. And somebody else says, that is Elisha. What in the world's he doing leading the Syrian army? I mean, what's going on here? And so Elisha leads that army of blind soldiers right smack dab up to the king's door, and the king looks at this army of blind soldiers and says, Shall I smite them? Now that's sort of a polite way of saying, Can I slit their throat? And then he repeats that. And he repeats it because of the fact that he wants a quick answer. Shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? I mean, you can just feel the anxiety building up. I mean, he thinks to himself, we've got to do something. Let's get rid of them right now. This is our opportunity. They're blind. They're defenseless. We can get them. Let's do it right now. Can I do it? Isn't it amazing how quick we are to, you know, to, to jump on somebody whenever they are helpless and defenseless? 
And I think we can learn something really valuable here, and that's this, that life is full of confusing situations and difficult decisions. I mean, I, listen, I would have felt exactly like that king did. Let's get rid of these rascals once for all. I mean, we won't have to mess with this mess anymore. We'll just kill them. We'll be done with them. And a lot of times in life, we get up against difficult situations and we just, you know, scratch our head like, you know, we don't know what to do. And our life is the sum total of the choices that we make. And we better not be hasty. We better be careful about the decisions we make. We better walk in wisdom. We better get the facts. Bottom line is this. We better seek God's will in regards to those matters. Shall I smite them? And the man of God says, no. You're not permitted to destroy them. Now, you've got to wonder in all of this, what's going on? What what is this all about? Look back in chapter 5 for just a moment. I want you to see something in chapter number 5, something I think is very important here and something that we forget about a lot of times. Chapter number 5, and look at verse number 8. And it was so when Elisha the man of God had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me. Now remember, this is Naaman. He's the captain of the army of the Syrians. He's a leper. And, uh, and Elisha is saying, Bring him to me. And you remember the story. He's going to cleanse him of his leprosy, but here's the key phrase, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. He shall know there is a prophet in Israel. Let me tell you what's going on here. That is that God is trying to manifest himself through his people to those who do not know him. Are you with me? God manifesting his mercy to people that do not know Him. And He does that through His people. And so whenever the king says, can I kill them? And Elijah says, no. You see, Elijah understands that he is on a mission, and that mission is to reveal God's mercy. And he bases the decision to not kill the Syrian army upon that. You know, the sad thing is a lot of times... We make decisions without ever taking into consideration how that decision is going to affect the cause of Christ. Every choice you make needs to be made in consideration. How is this going to affect my Savior? How is this going to affect the Lord's church? And I'll tell you, if we'll base our decisions on how it affects the cause of Christ, We'll make the right decision. And that's what we need to do. So here the choice is made. We're not going to kill them. We're going to let them live. Now look at verse number 22. Letting them live is one thing, but notice what happens next. Verse 22. And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and thy bow? Now here it is. Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Now, let me mention a few things about this. This is the command. This is what he wanted them to do. First of all, it's contrary to natural reasoning. Natural reasoning says we've got 
we've got to rid the land of these Syrians while we've got the opportunity. That's natural reasoning. And you know, a lot of times we base our decisions on natural reasoning. Instead of, you know, taking into consideration what God wants us to do, you know, for example, there are times, you know, we're more prone to look at the checkbook and how much is in the checkbook and, you know, reason it all out. Well, if I've only got so much, I can only do so much. Well, that's just not true. It's not true. The churches of Macedonia gave above and beyond that which they were able. Now, how in the world do you do more than what you're able to do? Have you ever thought about it? How do you do more than what you're able to do? And yet it says that's what they did. They did more than they were able to do. You do more than you're able to do by doing all you can. And when you do all you can, God enables you to do more than what you could have. So we should not ever base our decisions on natural reasoning. We base them on the will of God. Secondly, not only is it contrary to natural reasoning, it's contrary to human nature. You know, I think there's a, a little bit of that king in every one of us. You know, these people threatened us. These people were going to destroy us. These people don't care anything about us. Now, we've got them where we where we want them, let's do something about it. And I think in all of us, there is, you know, at times, that that spirit of revenge. They hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to get even if it's the last thing I do. Dear friend, it might be the last thing you do. You better be careful about that. And a lot of times, not only do we have to act contrary to our natural reasoning, we have to act contrary to our natural desires, our old fleshly nature. Somebody says, well, you know, I just I feel like that's what I ought to do, but that doesn't give you a license to do it. And then thirdly, I want you to notice that what happens here is in agreement with the Word of God. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. This is very familiar to all of you. And the Lord is speaking here, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter number 5. And I want you to take note of what the Lord says in this regards, because it is as relevant today as it's ever been. Verse 43, Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Now, that doesn't mean you become a child of God by doing that. It means you are recognized as being a child of God because you did that. Notice what he says, For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Isn't that amazing? Here we go back to the story in the Old Testament where Elisha says, No, instead of hurting them, I want you to feed them, give them water to drink. And that is exactly the principle that the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching here. But there's something else about all of this. And that is that doing this, obeying the command of God's prophet, obeying God's word, took great faith and courage. Now, Elisha depended on God, now think about this, to, to, to restrain them. Faith enables us to overcome fear. You know, we might be reasoning out, if we don't kill them now, this is going to come back to haunt us. I mean, what's going to happen whenever suddenly the, their eyes are open and here they are in Samaria? I mean, 
what's going to happen then? And so you've got to have faith, you've got to have courage to act on God's Word to do what is contrary to your human nature and what is contrary to your own personal desires. And you do it, not because it makes sense, and not even because you want to do it. You do it because you know that's what God wants me to do. Now, look at verse number 23. And here we see the compassion. The compassion that's demonstrated to them. Because as the command is given, notice the response. And he prepared great provision for them. I, I'm glad he put that word great there. You know, if it had been me, I'd have said, just give them some bread and water. I mean, just, I mean, the bare basics. He provided great provision. I mean, there's a, you might say, a double portion for me. Plenty to eat. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Two things here. Number one, they were fed. They were fed. Turn over to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. I love this section. In the first part of Romans, it deals with doctrine. But whenever you come to chapter number 12 and through the remainder of the book, it deals with our duty. Our doctrine, what we believe, our duty, what we do. And notice what he says beginning in verse number 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense, that is, don't pay back any man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men, dearly beloved. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, what? Feed him. And if he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That is exactly what we see going on here. They are feeding the Syrian army. They're feeding their enemy. They're nourishing their enemy. So they fed them, but they also freed them. Now, it's one thing to feed them. It's another thing to free them. You know, they could have just fattened them up for the slaughter, but they didn't do that. They set them free. Now, I mentioned earlier about the purpose in all of this. The purpose in God's miracle of healing Naaman was what? That they might know that there is a prophet in Israel. And whenever you just boil all of this down to the bare essence, here's what it's all about, folks. It's all about glorifying God. That's what this is about. Feed them and then set them free. Why are they doing this? They're doing this because they're making a lasting impression on those Syrians to convince the Syrians that God is in control. God is in charge of all of this. And the actions of Elisha and the king of Israel and all of the other Israelites, their actions are based upon this one fact. They, their desire is that God be glorified. 
That ought to be our desire. That's why in 1 Corinthians 10.31 it says, And whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do is to be done for that purpose. When we think about the purpose of the church. Now, you know, we have a mission statement. The mission statement tells about what we do. But this per- the statement of purpose describes why we do what we do. And it's just this, this simple. Our purpose is to glorify God. If that's not our purpose, then we're focused on the wrong thing. Everything we do as an individual, everything we do as a church, ought to be done in order to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that brings us down to the consequence of all of this. Look at verse 23. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Now, that does not mean that they won forever the respect of the heathen. That's not what it's saying at all. Certainly it made an impression upon them. It's not to say that the Syrians went away and lived a perfect life thereafter. But he does tell us that as a result of what they did, the Israelites enjoyed a season of peace. And I'll tell you, that's something they would not have had had they retaliated. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter number 16, When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies shall be at peace with him. And too many times we think that we've got to triumph over our enemies, when, and that gets us off course. What we need to do is focus on pleasing God. And if we please God, it's amazing what God can do in regards to our enemies. And a lot of folks live in a constant state of turmoil and confusion. Why? Because of a vengeful spirit. I mean, they're eaten up with bitterness on the inside. They want to get even with the other person. And they're miserable every day. And, and instead of just keeping their focus on, look, that person has to answer to God for what they did. And my responsibility is to maintain a right relationship with the Lord. And you see, when we focus on that, God has a way of taking care of all of the horizontal relationships we have. You get the vertical right, and the horizontal will take care of itself. That's what, that's what this is all about. It always pays to do things God's way. Now, in closing, just imagine the questions they must have been asked when they returned home. Now, get the picture. They're smitten with blindness. Here is this army groping about in the darkness. I mean, they are at the mercy of Elisha. And Elisha says to them, Come on and follow me, and I'll take you to the man that you're looking for. Now, they had no idea where they were going. They're totally dependent upon Elisha. And he leads them to Samaria, there to the doorstep of the king of the Israelites. And now, no doubt, that now remember, now their eyes are open. I mean, here they are, kaboom, all of a sudden their eyes are open and they see themselves trapped. I mean, they're in a situation now they can't get out of. The tables have turned. And they're no doubt wondering what in the world's going to happen to us now. And it's like, it's like the Israelite says, come on, we're going, we're going to have a Texas-sized barbecue. I mean, we've got brisket cooking. And I, listen, we're going to feed you, we're going to water you, 
We're going to take care of you. And so here they are. I mean, they, they've eaten so much that they need some Tums and Rolades. And, uh, they've, you know, they, they've just drunk to the full. And now here they are. And they go back to their land. <laughs> Can you imagine when they get back there, the stories they have to tell? Probably some of them saying, you know, they ain't nobody going to believe this. Nobody's going to believe this. But they get back to their homeland. They get back there among their own people. And they've just gone through an experience that they will never, ever forget. And I can't help but believe that there's no way that they could have restrained themselves and not just, you know, let everybody know exactly what had happened. And you see, there's no way to explain this apart from God. They had to get God involved in this, right? So do you see what's happened? God used their blindness. God caused their blindness. God used their blindness to open their eyes. And here they are, these heathen people, the Syrians, back there with their own people. And what are they doing? They're telling their own people about the great things that the God of the Jews has done. And, you know, it's sort of like them saying, we are here today, we live today, and we're here with you today because of the mercy of the God of the Jews. Now, let me just sum all of this up. From all of this, we learn a valuable lesson, and it's this, that we may face situations that are beyond our reserves, but they're never beyond God's resources. When we began this series of messages about the Lord God of Elijah, I said at the very beginning it was on my heart to bring these messages because I realized that our nation's going through troublesome times. I mean, the squeeze is on. There's a lot of hurting people. And it's not just an economic situation that I'm talking about. I mean, there are a lot of problems that we face today. And the one thing, more than anything else, that we need to know, that we need to understand, that we need to get a hold of, is that regardless of the circumstances, our God is perfectly capable to meet every need we ever encounter. Now, I'd be lying. I'd be lying if I said I never worried a second about the merger or selling this building or purchasing the other building because there I have momentarily at times backslid and all of a sudden begin to think, oh my, you know, what if, what if this goes south? What if this happens? What if that happens? But overall, and I, and I, think, I think most of you can say the same thing, Overall in this, I have had a sense of peace because even when we face what seems to be impossible odds, I know that God is able. And I've just got to tell you, folks, I've tried to think ahead, and as a pastor I have to do that, as difficult as it is sometimes. I, I try to think ahead and think what if. Now, I can ruin a perfectly good day in a heartbeat. Believe me, some of you guys that fish with me know exactly what I'm talking about because I am prone to always ask those what-if questions. 
What if that other boat gets over where I want to go and they fish that hole before I get there? You know, I mean, I was down fishing one day, and Brother Ron, he, just, he said, Brother, you worry too much. And he, he's right. <laughs> but you try to look ahead and you try to think, okay, what if, what if this happens? I mean, what if something happened that they sold that building out from under us? What if? Now, don't panic. I don't have an announcement to make or anything. What if? You know, you know what? I'm going to answer that question tonight. What if? That's okay. It's okay. It's all right. We don't need to worry about that, folks. All we need to concern ourselves with is doing what God wants us to do where we are with what we've got. And when we do that, everything else is going to turn out all right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Let's stand. Father, tonight, how we thank You for this wonderful story, a story that was designed from the very beginning to inspire Your people and to bring hope to their heart. We think about what Paul wrote so many years later, that all of the things that were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scripture, might have hope. And Lord, this morning, You assured us from Your Word, from the story of Jeremiah, that even when we find ourselves in a situation where we really don't want to be, that we have reason to hope that You'll bring about that expected end in Your time and in Your way. So help us tonight not to fret, not to fuss, not to get in a big fight with our enemies. Just do what's right and leave all of the results in Your hands. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. As we sing together. Page 391.